Richard Red Smith, for whom this annual sports award show is named, holds a unique place in the sports history of our community. The native of combined locks is one of the few athletes who starred in both professional baseball and football as a player and again as a coach. Red Smith Sports Awards has been around since 1966. We've given more than $1 million to youth sports groups throughout Northeastern Wisconsin. Our mission is to entertain the sports fan and give every kid a chance to play. For we know playing sports teaches our children life lessons like discipline, responsibility, self-confidence, accountability, and teamwork. Sports are a powerful tool that bring people together and create a sense of community. Welcome to our story, welcome to a piece of history, and welcome to the Red Smith Podcast. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the official second episode of the Red Smith Podcast. We made it through week one. We are back for week two, and we are excited this week because not only myself, Fred Thurston, and my co-host, Joe Ornstein, is here, but we are going to be blessed with an absolute legend icon in the Appleton area to hear not only his story about how he has changed youth football in the Appleton area, but how his family has made an impact in lives across the Appleton area and the state of Wisconsin in general. So, uh, Joe, how are you doing? We're here week two. We made it. We made it through week one. I think after that, we pretty much can just sail, right? Hey, oh, unreal. That's right. Sail mode now. We're two into this thing. We, we did it. Yeah, we talked a little bit about what we're going to do. We talked a little bit about who we are. Um, and I think week two, here we go. We get to actually dive into something uh, that means a lot to not only us, but means a lot to the Red Smith and to the community, which is something that we've really stressed in our first show about what we're all about. So uh, without further ado, I don't think we need to sit here and kind of reminisce about what happened week one. Uh, but I'm excited to get into week two and talk to somebody that uh, is a dear friend to all of us, dear friend to me, dear friend to you. Um, and someone who I consider quite a mentor in not only uh, just in life in general, but in the sports world. So um, we are very, very excited to have uh, the one and only Nick Salm joining us uh, here on week two of the Redsmith podcast. How you doing, Nick? Great. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to be here. I really wanted to Nick give you an intro, much like the Pat McAfee show, but I wasn't sure if that was appropriate at this time. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to okay. stick with what I got there. Do you want me to start clapping in the back? Yeah, you could do it. We could we could easily do that. We could easily have that moment, uh, the hoorah-rah, maybe throw throw some highlights out there from your old days. Um, but we're super excited to have you on. I know we really want to talk to you um, a lot about, you know, kind of your impact uh, with youth sports. But I think before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about who you are just in general um, and kind of, you know, where you started and where you're at right now. Well, I'm a, I'm actually a dairy farm kid, large Catholic family, north side of Appleton. Um, uh, north was, Appleton North High School was built a little over a mile away from our farm. Um, it wasn't there when I went to high school, so I went to Appleton West High School, and I was privileged to be uh, a part of a uh, great class. Um, we went to three state championships in football while I was in high school, so I got to, to learn um, from my peers, uh, great coaching. Um, but uh, in my high school career, I was 
privileged to be a part of only two losses in my entire high school career. Um, and I think that that was kind of the stepping stone that that kind of success led me to do a lot of different things in life. Um, I, I moved on. Uh, I, I don't know that I would have went to college if it weren't for football. Um, it's hard to imagine um, the path I took, but uh, I went to Ripon College. I was a four year starter as a running back there. Uh, after being first team All-State running back at uh, Appleton West and winning state championships. Um, and uh, I was a captain at both Appleton West and at Ripon. And then when I graduated, my very first year out of uh, college, I took on Pop Warner. Uh, didn't have a clue what I was doing. Got, came from the college game to coaching sixth grade Pop Warner. Um, had an absolute blast. Thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Did it for a couple of years. Uh, uh, we went undefeated the very first year I coached a team, and so I thought it was easy. Um, and then Appleton North uh, knocked on the door. Mike Weinberg was the head coach back in 2000 and asked me to come aboard, and I was the offensive coordinator for the freshmen. And then I uh, um, was uh, part of a staff that included two brothers, um, uh, Rob, my, the head coach of Appleton North High School is my brother, Rob. He actually got his start when I was a sophomore in high school. He was coaching at Appleton West uh, while going to Oshkosh. Uh, so he started really young uh, as a coach. And um, and I, they both Kurt and Rob were both on the staff at Appleton North when I came aboard. Uh, they were both at the varsity level. Uh, well, actually, Rob was at the varsity level and Kurt was a JV offensive coordinator. And I was the freshman offensive coordinator. I did that for a couple of years. Um, then I focused more on running backs, uh, and, and then I was the JV offensive coordinator and running backs coach for the varsity, uh, was, uh, proud to work with some incredible running backs at North. Uh, we had a run of, I think in the seven years I was coaching running backs, we had six first team all state running backs. So it was, um, we had a good run. And then most recently when I went back this previous year, uh, we had another first-team All-State running back, so it's kind of uh, been blessed to have some really great kids um, to be a part of. But uh, uh, in 20, I think 2009, Rob took over the program from Paul Engen, um, and so he was the head coach. My brother Kurt has been the offensive coordinator for somewhere in, I want to say 2009, 2010, somewhere in when Rob took over, he, he took over the offensive coordinating at some point uh, within the first couple of years. Um, and then we coached together until 2015. We went to the uh, semifinals, uh, level four, and lost to Menominee Falls, I believe. Um, maybe that was the Kimberly loss. I think that was the Kimberly loss. But we had lost in level four a couple times, and so we kind of had a, a little bit of a, a, a reckoning. We, we were trying to figure out why Appleton North couldn't get over the hump. Uh, we had been part of a program at Appleton West where we did get over the hump. Uh, and that took a number of years as well. And I don't want to say it was classes, coaches, whatever. I think it was a combination, just about everything. Um, and uh, you kind of get the, the the kids that have the goodwill um, to refuse to lose. And when you collectively have a bunch of those guys and then they put a bunch of time in in the off season, uh, it brings on a lot of success. And so um, for, for, uh, for our family, we made a decision in 2015 um, and that was about the same time my dad came aboard. My dad is uh, our equipment manager, Gil Farmer, runs around with a uh, cordless drill on his hip and uh, fixes everything and anything. And, you know, it's a funny story about him this year. He uh, 
he made a cooler uh, that kept our balls heated. Uh, when it started getting cold out, it was just he put a heater inside of this cooler and he had uh, circulating air with tubes that he put on. And the guy, it's a, it's unbelievable. It's hilarious. Um, and, and he's just he's got that that entrepreneurial mind. He's always so back on the farm. He did things where he had uh, this mechanism that he created with a gate, put it on a timer so we could uh, we could go uh, basically uh, on a on a picnic. I mean, on the farm, you could never get away. So we'd go to the park because the gates would open because my dad created this this mechanism where it was a, a magnet would activate, pull a pin and the gate would open. So we would we'd be we wouldn't have to be there. I mean, the guy was he's always had that sharp entrepreneurial mind. Um, he's Papa Solomon. He is. He is. And he's a legend. He's Papa Psalm and everybody respects him. And, and, you know, it's great to have him around just because I think the kids kind of see him and it's like, well, you know, it's kind of like Santa Claus is watching. <laughs> Don't screw up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you Nick know, paints the picture. I don't for everybody that's listening. It truly is incredible out at North, the, the, the amount of Psalms that are out there that you know, with your dad's the leader of the group. And you, obviously Rob's been a coach for a number of years. And, yeah, you know, as you said, and then we're going to get into it. I mean, you're coaching. Football runs in the Psalms' blood, really, is is, is what it comes down to, and it's it's impressive to see. Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, you know, my brothers, uh, my brother Dan, uh, we call him Boomer, and Doug. Doug is a doctor. Interesting thing on the sidelines. Uh, this was in the spring season with uh, Wilson Zuck, um, but uh, they 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 do our um, statistics. So they're on the sidelines running up and down, keeping track of stats. And Wilson Zuck comes off the field and he's got a giant laceration over his eye. My brother, Doug, is an ophthalmologist. He ends <laughs> up doing surgery and getting the eye fixed in the second half. He returns and, and plays with it. And what are the chances, right? So, yeah, the, yeah it was so and, and Ben, my brother, Ben, has done camera and, and some other things for the program. And then my sister's husband has done a lot of camera work for us as well. And so we try to get everybody involved. I, you know, my mom has the exact same seat up in the stands uh, for every game since as long as North's been open. Uh, my parents actually started the booster club at North um, back when it opened in I, what it was a 95, 96 your family is so ingrained within the program. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to not go to a game, not open a program and see either a Psalm name in the coaching staff, a Psalm name in the, you know, roster, a Psalm name in, in, in the young groups, in the AYFA groups, you know, what point <clears throat> when you were growing up, I mean, obviously you grew up, like you said, in a farm environment, which, I think anyone who knows anything about anyone who's knows a farm family, I mean, you guys are tough, right? You guys are, you learn hard ways, you learn good ways, you learn, you know, to be good, hard workers. Uh, how has that transpired when it came to football? Like what lessons throughout your football career, um, you know, as a kid, as a college student, and then what you're teaching now, yeah. uh, what, what lessons, you know, from the farm have you brought over to the, to the football field? I think one of the biggest things that's missing a lot of times, and I don't know exactly, you know, how do how do I raise my own kids without a farm like I grew up? It's it's it's, it's yep. seemingly a tough challenge. I think one of the things is hard work and humbleness, uh, and just being humbled and 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 a, you know. So I was the fourth of uh, seven kids. 
three older brothers and I decided I wanted to compete with them. Um, and they would, you know, they were in high school, there's five, six years difference. And so I'm in sixth, seventh, fifth, seventh grade, somewhere in there and competing against high school kids playing football, just getting my you know butt kicked. And then I'd go against my own peers the same age and I would dominate. And I'm like, wait a minute. And, uh, um, but we played, whether it was one-on-one -on -one in the snow it was, you know, one time, I don't know if you guys are familiar, you've seen all out on out in the fields, those big round bales. So one year, my dad rents a round baler and decides we're going to do round bales. And so we have this, this yard area uh, on the farm out past our little apple orchard. And uh, he, we decided we, we line up rows and rows of these round bales. So we get it and it's just about full. We're getting about the last load of round bales that come in from the field and we're kind of looking at it and we kind of look at each other and get that goofy look in our face. And, and we decide, you know, this, the, the top of the round bales kind of looks like a football field. So we, we get a football out and we jump on top and we're running in cheer, running a, a fly pattern, a button hook is a collar, whatever, and, and just disappear into a little crevice between the round bales. And, my goodness, did we laugh, but we found ways to play football. Uh, it was, we were always passionate, loved football, always from day one. And I don't know if it came from my dad who loved football, wished he could have played. You know, he was, uh, he was number 10 of 13 and wasn't allowed. He, he, he couldn't because uh, he had to take care of the farm um, and always wanted to play football. He's always had a love and a passion for it. And, you know, he told us about it and then he instilled it in us and, he basically told us when we were younger that, you know, we had one option to play sports and that was to play football. Um, even though it was during the harvest, you know, football's during the harvest uh, in the fall. And that, that was, but you know, the summer is when all the work gets done is uh, you know, the planting and then the, you know, take off the hay crops and the oat crops and all those things. Um, but the fall was precious. He was, you know, we never missed Packer games on the weekends, uh, Sundays. And of course the Packers stunk. Um, but, uh, you know, when we got a taste of the cardiac pack and then, you know, as they got better, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. And, and, uh, so we all went to little shoot, uh, in a private school and our first taste of football was actually little shoot jets football. And that was a football club. And that was our first introduction to football clubs. And, um, and then I left a little earlier than the rest of them. And I went over to, over to Einstein to play for. Einstein. My oldest two brothers, Kurt and Rob, didn't play. Rob didn't play till he's a junior. Kurt didn't play till he's a senior. So we didn't play organized football much. Uh, and then my brother Boomer was a running back. He actually had a, an accident at home and lost a couple fingers. They put him back on, but about an eighth of an inch shorter. Um, but uh, uh, so he was out majority for a year. I think it was eighth or ninth. Might, might have been ninth grade when that happened. But he was a running back, and I think I got a taste of watching him play. I watched my brother Rob play, who was an absolute – I mean, he was relentless. He was he played defensive end and uh, undersized, and but just – I mean, you talk about playing with your heart, and, and you see what that did. And um, we learned to train hard on the farm. We You know, we'd train on the farm plus doing the workouts at West. And I think one of the, the things we learned at West was, that was a pretty neat – um, uh, I don't, I don't know if this is just born leadership and, you know, sometimes people say you're born to lead or you're not, leaders can't be made, but 
you know, we, we, we introduced the whole idea of off season training, like this whole at, at North, we do NASA training and we do all this. And it's all, we, you know, we basically lay the programs out for them. We built it as kids. Uh, when my brother Boomer went through West, they, uh, he, he knew, we actually worked at Darwin fried chicken and, and combined locks. And we worked with a bunch of Kimberly guys and they had a powerlifting program and they gave them a copy. We crossed out Kimberly off the top of the powerlifting and we brought it up in the weight room and doggone it, every single one of us started doing these, this powerlifting, you know, and, and it was actually Kimberly's program. And this was 1990. And, um, you know, that kind of dedication to the weight room. And then we started, we said, hey, coach, can you come in at like 6, 630 in the morning? Just come to the gym, blow the whistle. We'll tell you, we just, we want to run sprints. We want to do different things. We want to just, we just need somebody to blow the whistle and kind of uh, be there. And yeah, sure enough. So that was probably the first um, off-season training that was ever really done in, in Wisconsin, because I know Coach Engen ended up, after we had uh, won the state championship and, and had all that success, I know he had actually went and, and did a, a seminar. He had me help him with it, uh, but did uh, at the Wisconsin clinic, the coaches clinic, he put on a, a seminar about off season training. And it was, it was a lot of the kids who had a lot to do with building that, you know, and then he took it and ran with it. Rob uh, really took it and ran with it. He created NASA North uh, agility strength, um what is it uh speed yeah. speed uh, acceleration. acceleration yeah yeah so rob started that program and that, that's really taken off when now we're doing it with the chargers and so um interesting yeah it, so the hard work i think is the biggest thing and then be the fourth of seven uh and then have a dad who's a second third generation farmer you're going to be humble you're going to be humble because you can get chopped down in a, in a heartbeat. And, um, and I think a lot of that's really translated over into the coaching part. You know, Nick, it, it's, uh, you've laid out the foundation a little bit. I mean, obviously, uh, so many life lessons there. And you talked a little bit about your time in, in high school and in the early nineties and, and football was really humming here in, in Appleton. And of course we only had two high schools that made a little bit of a difference and then North came about, but Somewhere during that that time period, we we lost football in the middle schools, and it just kind of it was just sort of there. Um, but it, it wasn't anything like it was when we grew up in the in the eighties and the very early nineties. And you saw that, you know, sometime in, in the you know I don't know what year it was now, 2012, 2013, You started to you started to notice that the hey we, we've got some issues. Look at what some of these other schools in the community are doing. They've got a great youth program. The successful high school programs are competing for state championships at, at all different divisions. A lot of it's because of the youth football, especially at the middle school level. And it wasn't there at Appleton. And uh, I, I can still remember that phone call when you you had that idea. And, of course, none of us had any idea what we were getting into. But, uh, you know here we are, but th this was your idea. And if, I guess, you know, we're looking for you to just kind of lay it out a little bit. What, what did you see? What was Appleton like 15 years ago? Um, yeah. What did you do to fill that need? And, and uh, I, I know there's way too many stories to tell about the, the sleepless nights getting this thing started, but. Um, 
man, it, it's it's impressive. It really is. And Fred and I both have kids that have gone through the through the program, so we know it firsthand. It's 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 absolutely yeah. incredible, and it's more than yeah. football. If I can, if I can, quick interject before you get into this story because I've heard it a few times, and I'm I'm excited to hear it again. Um, it is something that anyone who, and I'm 35, right? So I'm, I'm on the, I'm going to boast a little bit. I'm on the younger side in this room right now. Um, but I went through middle school football. I went through Nina, Wisconsin, right? I grew up in Nina, Wisconsin, uh, played Nina middle school football, then went on to high school. Um, my dad was a, was a fantastic football player for Nina high school in the seventies. Um, and when I went through middle school, uh, the program was still stuck in the seventies. I'm very confident. I'm pretty sure my dad told me, yeah, that's the same Jersey I wore. That was my, my game Jersey as a seventh grader was what he had worn in 1977. A lot of sevens there, but we weren't winning jackpots or bingos. It was just the way of the world. And when you look around just the progression of youth sports in general, um, it's it's moving at an incredible pace. So for you, what you did um, to capture that before it got to where we're at now was was astounding. I mean, your vision and your ability to to understand that um, means the world to me. And for my to be able to put my son through it and to be excited about putting my next son through it um, is something that I'm, I'm super thankful for and I'm super grateful for. But I, I want you to, like Joe said, explain kind of where your vision was and why you, why you decided to take that huge leap and to kind of build that program because it, it has, honestly, we've seen it this year with Appleton North getting to the semifinals. I mean, there is a reason that that happened. Yeah, no, I appreciate the question, and and you know, really, I, I don't, I, I'd hate for you guys to give me too much credit here. Um, I, I, I guess I've never lacked. You deserve it. You deserve I, well, it. Well, I've never lacked confidence, but they, it, uh, this is not something I did alone. I mean, there were tons of people, including starting with my wife, who said, "You're nuts," in that kind of time, and you know, what do you know about it? And of course, that just makes you more eager. You know, you're the <laughs> challenge. But you know, so the background to it is really understanding the the dynamics behind what happened. Uh, what the hell happened? Because um, I played in three state championships when they only had three levels in high school in Appleton. So Appleton West was sophomore through senior year. And when I played at Einstein, it was significant football. We played the Oshkosh's, we played the Nina's, we played all of them. That was the, that was, you know, the late, late eighties into 90. And uh, so I went back and I started questioning. Uh, of course, people don't like that, uh, especially administration. You know, you know, why are you digging into this? And what I found out was, uh, well, and, and, and let's just address what the problem right in front of us was. Middle school football was a joke in 2000 and, and on. I mean, an absolute joke. It was bad in Appleton and not just Appleton, but certainly in Appleton, which is where our focus started. Yeah. You would play Pop Warner until what, fifth grade and then just completely lose three years of football and then try to pick it back up again in high school. Yeah. So Pop Warner uh, originally was just a six and seventh and they never, ever wanted to take on the eighth. There's a, there's an old guard there, um, you know, and to be respectful, they did an incredible job. They built Pop Warner into something that we hadn't had. Um, 
And we just had eighth grade football and eighth grade football. And before they went to the third high school in Appleton, eighth grade football, then ninth grade football, a freshman was at the middle schools. And it was, there was very, very competitive. We had three middle schools. They were super competitive. And uh, then we'd play the Oshkoshes, the Ninas, the Kakanas, the Kimberleys. We played all of them, not the Kimberleys. Um, I don't know that we played them, but, you know, we played a number of FBA, old school FBA teams and we would travel and we were on the bus and, you know, we had our home fields and it was, it was significant. It was very, very, very competitive football. And uh, so you learn to compete. And that then when, when I got back from college in 98, and then we got to the high school and we started, uh, we got all the way to 2015 and we said, why can't we get over the hump? And then we looked back and we said, well, let's look at the top 10 perennial teams, division one high school football in Wisconsin. And what do they have? What are they doing that we aren't? And so we started with, uh, what do we run on defense? Okay. That wasn't a problem. We ran what everybody else is running 33 stack, 34 stack. We ran, you know, the same, same types of things. Um, we had the athletes, we knew that. And then we looked at offense. Offensively, what are we doing? At that point, we had converted to the pistol. We were one of the first ones to do that. Everybody was starting to follow us. Pistol was a stud. Uh, tough, tough de offense to, to defend. And we were mixing in some things. And we had great uh, coaches come through. And Craig Ahmet and taught us, you know, basically the, the generic West Coast system. So we were doing, you know, concepts and all kinds of great stuff with a um, a nice run game to go with it. It wasn't offense. Uh, special teams are special teams. And so then we started trying to figure out, you know, what are our numbers? Okay, so our numbers were a little bit lower than some of these teams that were winning state, but not all of them. And then we looked and we said, what is the one thing we didn't have that everybody else in that top 10 had? A feeder system. We were the only school in the top 10 that we looked at that didn't have a feeder system, a true dedicated feeder system. So when we looked at what our system was, it was, as you were saying, Joe, it was you had Pop Warner through fifth grade, which was actually excellent, and it still is. One through, uh, th third through fifth, is it, it's it's all about just letting kids play, and, and I, I don't have a single problem with what Pop Warner does. I think it's great. But by the time you get to sixth grade, you get, you know, the kids are a little asking for a little bit more. Um, seventh grade, even more, and then by eighth grade, uh, we weren't competitive by our eighth. We still were using our eighth grade system and the middle schools were playing each other. And what they would do is they'd play a fifth quarter. Um, and if you had to play a middle school team twice to make sure you got five games, and I'm not kidding, five games is all the games they were playing. They'd call it a scrimmage, but it would count as a game. So when you looked at a starting quarterback, say an eighth grade quarterback, a kid you're trying to develop, he's already starting to mature. He's starting, he's, he's showing the ability to, to, to spin the ball well and show the leadership. He was literally playing about two to two and a half games in eighth grade at quarterback. That was his development. And this is in the city of Appleton. I think it's, it's, it's important to note all the other schools in the community, all the other school districts had a, a pretty established youth program for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Once you go through Pop Warner, Pop Warner is called Fox Valley Pop Warner, and it includes from Nina, Kakana, Kimberly. Uh, I, I believe there's an Oshkosh team now, um, but it would be Freedom, uh, Hortonville, Greenville. 
and, and all of Appleton. Um, and by the time you got through fifth grade, so when sixth grade started, that's when all the other clubs started. So all of the teams other than the Appleton teams I mentioned all went to their feeder clubs, their feeder systems. And so they were, you know, when you looked at Kimberly and their success, look at their Bulldogs program. I mean, they got like 60 to 70 kids out at every single level. I mean, they, when you're winning, it helps and you'll get more kids out. It's always been that way. But when you get a lot more kids out, you know, they would, and I've always said this is if we could get our graduating class up to 35 kids, we're going to win state championships. It's just going to happen. You just have enough guys and you just, you do. And out of 35 kids that graduate <clears throat> out of them, you're probably going to have 20 to 25 that are going to be constant weightlifting and, and putting in the time that dedication that it takes to be a, a winner. And if you do that in two classes, that's 40 kids that are, prime athletes that that's that's the recipe to success let me ask you this real quick because <clears throat> i don't want to jump off too far but what you just said it brings up a, a a point and a concern i guess in my eyes when it comes to the youth of today um how do you get kids today with the multiple avenues for instant gratification, self-sophisticate, like how do you get them to buy into that? How do you get them to say, I'm going to choose the weight room over Snapchat? How do you get them to choose the team over myself when the the culture in just general is very I-me focused? How do you get people to buy into team nowadays? I, it's a, I and mean, I don't know if I have the answer, Fred. Um, you know, I can tell you what, what I think and what I, I do, you know, we can yeah. all, as adults, we got to try to be adults and we got to try. Um, I think by offering things that, um, you know, they're, they're, they take time. They take a lot of time. Um, we do something that, and you're familiar with Fred, you helped me uh, design some of the logos and stuff, but you do things like with our youth program, it's when we're just about to start up again, and it's called the factory. And one of the mottos of the factory is called choose work. And I think when you, you start creating a, um, you start creating the, the, the narrative and, and, you know, the recognition of, Hey, we're going to teach your kids how to work. And I think, I think parents aren't naive to the fact that their kids don't know how to work and it's hard for them to teach them and everybody's busy. There's every family's nuclear now. Um, and in, in, in that scenario, you're, you're doing your best. And if you can give them an outlet and whether it's just one hour, three, four days a week, uh, and, and as often as you can get them there. And, and even as part of the factory, we do yoga and, you know, those, those are some good stretching lessons, but if you go to one session of the factory and you hear us preach the entire time, the, the, the kid's going to be better because they just hear the right things. They hear how adults should act, and then they hear from those adults how kids should act. It's a privilege to be up in a weight room. It's a, uh, it is not a joke. And in, when you're there for an hour, you know you were there for an hour because likely it's going to feel like you were there for longer than an hour because we work, we, we push and we work. Um, and all our program for the youth really is, is just activating muscles. We're not out there throwing around plates and, and that sort of thing. I mean, we, but 
we make them work. You run, learn how to run ladders, you learn plyometrics, you learn stair work, you learn, you just learn how to work and sweat. And uh, in the meantime, we're pumping them through all kinds of positive things about what you put in your body is what you get out, what you eat, what you drink, how you act. If you are, if you are a joke in the classroom, you're setting yourself up to be a joke in life. Uh, so it's not time to be joker and fun and all that stuff. That's outside the classroom. Um, but it's all those things is just preaching and preaching and trying to get them on the right track. And I think our program that we've created, in, and I'll speak specifically to the Chargers where I've had the most, uh, I guess, control impact, uh, is that the Chargers represents creating young men. Um, and we don't like to talk even at the sixth grade level where they still literally are boys. Uh, we like to call them young men because we want that mentality to start maturing. We want them to start seeing things a little bit more in the, the choosing to work, choosing to be a good teammate, choosing, you know, and so, you know, you just kind of create an atmosphere and then it kind of speaks to the brand and then you're hoping that parents talk. Um, one of the things we've done over the last few years is we've created Mother's Day and we've teamed up with our photo shoot, our photo day, because you got to have photos and we've handed out carnations to moms. Uh, so the, the player hands out the carnation and then they can get pictures together and then they can do a family picture together with the athlete in their uniform. We actually celebrate it quite a bit. And then we invite the moms to come out and hold a stand up dummy for one of our drills and we, and, you know, we just create all kinds of opportunities to invite the moms to come and see. You know, one of our biggest messages when we went in, and I know we're going to get into what we did to start the, the AYFA and the youth club, but um, one of the biggest things we needed to accomplish in starting the youth club was uh, creating this atmosphere, creating this program where we would... Um, have parents tell the next generation of parents and we would um, you know it would organically grow and become special and it's really done that even through the pandemic i couldn't believe our eighth grade this past season and we won the conference championship uh with that eighth grade team that hadn't done anything physical for you know over a year and here they came out in that first week of practice i'm telling you holy cow it was it was tough. These kids were not in a great place. But by week three, they were. So what, the, the interesting thing about kids is that kids are resilient and adults are not. Kids don't have a long memory because they don't have a long life. Uh, they have a short amount of things to remember. We have a lot of things to remember, so we're less resilient. We kind of hang on to things a lot longer. If a kid loses a football game, uh, the adult seems to hang on to it a heck of a lot longer. The kid's ready to move on to an ice cream cone and we're kind of pissed off yet. And so it's not, it's not that um, uh, adults just have to, and I, I, I've heard, I heard this line and it, I think it's been very special to me in my development of trying to, you know, my, my big thing is never sit on your hands. And um, something was said in a meeting. It was a, it was a, uh, little league meeting and the president steve peters at the time said he said and how he said it and where it, it was just it it struck me it was always like time stopped because somebody had challenged something about how little you know little leagues got all these rules and everybody's got an opinion and it, it you know the parents are right on the field and 
Steve said, slow down, stop. We always must look through the eyes of the athlete, the 11-year-old, the 12-year-old, the 10-year-old. We always have to look through their eyes first because it's their experience that matters, not ours. It's our job to make sure that experience is what we could predict from their eyes. If we ruin that experience, that's easier done than said. And so it's it was a whole different mindset. It's like, my goodness, every bit of the experience for the Chargers program, the AYFA was all built around looking at creating a model that had number one, the eyes of the athlete. And the athlete is only 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And so adulting gets a little more challenging when you got to kind of set your own ego side and just say, hey, this is about the kid. And then we take it a step further. You know, we focused on safety, obviously. We can go into all that stuff of what we did with the AYFA and, and the Chargers. But um, then we bring in the adults. And then we say, mom, this is really safe. This is really fun. This is great. Look at this equipment. I mean, here, grab this helmet. Put it on. You know, mom, check this out. And and I hate to say it would leave the dads out, but, you know, we're – Moms are smarter than us. Let's just be candid. <laughs> and um, and and, okay. and really, when you win them over, I, I think that that's part of the deal too. Is win them over. They talk more than guys do. Guys talk, and nothing really comes out of it. It's like they find out that yeah, bears still suck. Um, you know all that. You know all this stuff. We just we just prove our points over and over again. We really don't establish anything. And so women do. They congregate, and they're like, "Oh, you should do this football program. It's awesome." And yeah, and, and I would say honestly, I mean, I grew up in a in a well sports family, but football family, of course. Uh, my wife didn't, so it, it took some convincing for me to say, "Hey, this is this is a legit system. This is a legit program that I know um, a good guy's built." And, and to touch on your 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 topic of um, looking at it through a children you know child's eyes, things like that. I heard recently. Uh, something on it was on christian radio and and we won't get into that but it was it was along the lines of you know i don't think that parents were put on this earth for children i think children were, were brought in this world for for parents so that they could remind us what it's like and what it is and how to see things in a different point of view and um it's one of the things that i've always kind of stopped and just had it's to listen awesome. to over and over again in my head because you know we're so focused on on raising our kids but I think there's a there's a, a thought process here that maybe our kids are raising us sometimes and kind yeah. of giving us a different perspective on things and and um I'll also say before you want to get into the AYFA, you know, you talked about carnation, you talked about mom's day. Um, you know, my son Ethan going into sophomore year here, uh, we still have that carnation photo on our fridge because to, to to my wife, that is the greatest photo she owns, and I'm a photographer. So uh, I don't know how much that says for my abilities or if it says more for the AYFA, but um, it, it's it's an absolutely remarkable program, and you know it 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 it's done so much for so many kids, so many young athletes, so many boys, so many girls. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact that you guys have young girls going out and playing is just uh, one of the coolest things in the world to me. I, I played for Nina, like I said, and we had a uh, one girl who played for Nina and she was a beast. And I'll, I, 
always tip my hat to her. I was, uh, we had one practice. I can't remember. I could tell you what year, what day it was, but it was a, a good old fashioned Texas drill. And she, you know, we all looked at her like, nah, no big deal. And she leveled me and I was a quarterback. So I was a diva in its own right. But it was that after that moment that I remember I, I would carry her helmet out to practice. I would make sure her cleats were good. I was like, I am not messing with this girl ever again. And it's, it's 20 plus years later. And I still have just an undying respect for females who play the sport. And what football does and what sports do in general for young athletes is they teach them so much more than what the actual game is. We all know the game, right? We watch the game with our dad. We watch it with our uncles, our grandpas. We see them drunkenly yelling at TVs. We understand the sport, right? The sport is not the question. The question is, can you be taught to be a man? Can you learn the attributes to be a good person? Can you learn hard work? Can you learn hard work ethics? Can you do all those things? And what I think has always drawn me to AYFA is the fact that you guys focus more on that sometimes than the sport. And it's not a negative in that regard because you guys obviously teach these, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, one of your first classes getting to the semifinals, you know, in, in high school. Um, and I see it with my son in general, but the work ethic, you know, um, he's not the biggest kid. He's not the most talented. He's not the most gifted. Uh, and he knows it. I know it, but he loves going to those programs. He loves going to NASA. He loves going to those because it, it brings a, a camaraderie between the guys. It, it's a, a lesson. It's a learning point. It's something that gives them something to be excited about. Um, and that to me is what I've, I've always just, you know, clinged on with AYFA and I'm excited about. So, um, Joe, I don't want to keep talking in front of you here, but, um, I'm, I'm interested to keep listening to more and more about what you, what the AYFA is all about. Well, Fred, I mean, you nailed it. Absolutely. And, and Nick talked about it and it's absolutely no lie right from the very get go. Those have been the exact, I guess, guiding principles of the AYFA is get the moms to buy in. It's important. I mean, they, they run the household, have them understand that the, the, the sport of football is safe. We're taking care of your girl or boy. And I do have to say, when you touch on the girl, Nick, I can't remember her name, but that inside linebacker that played the last two years with the Chargers, oh, absolutely yes. incredible. I love to watch her play. She, so, so she, so she lives down the street from me actually. And, um, one huge fan, huge fan of hers. I've given her two rides to practice before. I'm more than happy to do so. But then there's a few weeks during the summer. I see her biking, right? She's biking mm -hmm. oh. helmet on the side of the bike. And anyone who's over the age of 30, right? There's this beautiful nostalgic moment of somebody riding their bike to and from practice. They're tired but they're doing it because they love the sport, right? Like that to me is just the epitome of what the absolute sport is. And uh, it, it just, it brings so much joy to me to watch it. And I, and I'm so excited that you brought that to the Appleton area. How do you see the AYFA progressing and kind of continuing in the next few years? I mean, I know that, um, 
there's so much change that happens, right? Every year right. we've obviously gone through some pandemic issues. We've gone through just, you know, some of the originals, uh, some of the original leaders in, in you and Kip and everybody like that with some of their, their own kids getting older. Uh, what do you see as your biggest hurdles going forward and how do you see clearing them? Well, I, I think I appreciate that question. Um, and I think, uh, I think it, it, where we are at, it, you can never rest. I think, you, as you're saying, you're always trying to keep up. I think every five years you look back and you say, holy smokes. Um, and we're only in year six. So it's like, holy smokes. When you go back six years ago, um, and I, I think, Joe, you might have been a part of that meeting. So we tried to tackle what was in front of us six years ago when we started the AYFA is actually the AYFC when we first started the Appleton youth football club. And, um, we, uh, it was going to be, I, I preferred to have it as uh, a part of pop Warner and we were going to work with the eighth grade and we were going to, uh, basically break out sixth and seventh grade from pop Warner and turn them into club non pop Warner fi fi affiliated and pop Warner was behind this when it, it, after our third grade year that I coached my son, um, I joined the board and the first task they put me on was the safety director. And I said, great, I'll be the safety director. We're going to adopt USA football heads up program and we are going to adopt hundred percent. And they all laughed looked at me and they said, that's not reasonable. And I said, that's what we will demand or you can't coach in our league. We don't have a problem with numbers. We will tell them if you want to coach in our league that you have to. And they fought it and I put on, gosh, out at the, the pavilion, I must have put on three or four or five extra clinics just to get every single kid or every single coach certified. Uh, but we were a hundred percent certified coach uh, in our very first year. And, um, and that was a big feat. And then I had found out that in the off season that we went down or some of our uh, the president and the vice president or a couple of them went down to the big meeting in Dallas for Pop Warner. And it turns out we were nationally recognized for that feat. So I, I just thought, wow, okay, that was that we, we that was the right thing. And and I thought, well, gosh, you know, here here Nick Salm needed a little more confidence. So um, so then I brought to them and I said, well, what's the deal with eighth grade? It's a joke. Uh, some didn't want to hear that. Some agreed. Um, and so we looked at, you know, this is five, six years ago. And, and we said, and, you know, I was talking to my brother about our diagnosis of what the problem is. Um, and I, and so I ended up asking them to explore. So then they actually commissioned me in a small group to go out and find out what was actually wanted within the community. So I put together a seven page proposal that identified the problems, explored what the challenges to correcting the problems would be, and then uh, tried to identify what the solutions could be, but I couldn't finish that part. So. I put this all together. I proposed it to them and I said, we got to go to the parents and find out what they think. So we sent out a message and we, we, I don't know, I, I don't Joe, maybe you remember, but we tried to get it out to as many as we could. We didn't think we'd get more than 25, 30 parents to show up at any meeting. And 
on the north side alone, we had 110 parents show up to this meeting. And on the east side, I think they had another 30 to 45 parents show up at their meeting. And we went through the proposal, told them the challenges, and they were 100% gung-ho on let's start a club out of Pop Warner because we have access to everything that's, you know, it'd be the cheapest way to go about it. And, um, and we brought it back to Pop Warner and they were really taken aback. They couldn't believe it. And for some reason, and I don't know, Joe, you might've been there and maybe you can tell your side of this, but it didn't go over the entire board other than me was totally against going that route and they said well that process is three to five years so on so and i'm like yeah but i just talked to 110 parents we're going to be pretty angry if we do nothing and so we kind of we, we agreed to disagree but i couldn't leave it there i'm what am i going to do i just hung myself out there and so i gathered a small group joe was one of them uh kip golden um uh dan Grutza. Um, I'm sure I'm going to miss a few and I apologize to you guys that I miss, but, uh, we grabbed a few, uh, and got some coaches and we presented to the parents again. And we said, listen, you're each going to have to pay $485. We're going to buy the best equipment and the coolest uniforms and everything, but we got nothing to start. But if you want to do this, we're going to do this. So on the North side, we had 73, 73 families sign up. And on the East side, we had, I think we barely got two teams. And so I total in year one was 109 families. And uh, that was how the AYFA started I, on the Chargers side. Um, the AY, Well, it was the AYFC. And then we had to decide that we we're going to call it an association, which uh, then it turned turned to the AYFA when we incorporated. And how did you just de- how did you decide? Sorry to interrupt you. But how mm-hmm. did you decide that? I mean, you came from West, right? You mm-hmm long storied history psalms were very involved in the west and then you know arguably arguably uh, i don't think anyone would de- would deny that the psalms have very much built appleton north football program uh, if not appleton north in general um how did you guys decide that this wasn't going to be an appleton north thing this was going to be an appleton thing that was my fault um it, when we when we did when we got into this, it was we were trying to solve Appleton North, and being a West guy, um, we never moved. Our family never moved. They built a high school where we lived, so we still live on the North Side. We never moved yet. Uh, in fact, all of us uh, are still on the North Side uh, near my parents. But um, when they so I t- and I talked Rob into understanding that. The right way to do this is to make this all about Appleton, because if we were eventually to work with the district who didn't want to give up football, we would have to show that we are all about Appleton first, that we, we care about all the kids and we care about youth football first. And then then our allegiance falls second. And, you know, so my my thing is, is and I've said this in every board meeting too, is we need to take care of all opportunities for all kids for football uh, in Appleton. And then secondly, at the le- when the season's about to start, we divide by X's and O's. Right. And I think that's something that, you know, 
if you're a listener and you have to understand that that was a that's a big choice, right? Like that's a big decision to make because it could have been very easy for you to say, hey, we're going to focus on Appleton North. We're going to make them the best. We're going to go uh, a Kimberly-esque route and make sure that they are taken care of and absolutely focused on. And you chose not to do that. You chose to make sure that East and West are always involved and given the same exact uh you know, opportunities that North was. And, and I think that's one of the, the greatest parts of the whole program is it's never been a singular program. It's been an Appleton wide program. And I think that's something to be uh, celebrated. Well, and I think the reasoning is, is I've always, I've always told all the coaches I've ever coached with, if you're a fake coach, kids will be the first ones to see it. They'll see right through you. So if we're going to sit here and create a program that's based on work, then why would I show I'm afraid to work? If I choose to just build Appleton North because it's a lot more work to build East and West too, then I would have shown I'm the opposite character in preaching. And so I think that that's unfair to the kids to see uh, if you really want to be a mentor, if you really want to be the coach that's trusted in everything you do, you know, say what you need to say or don't say it at all. Kids will see right through it. So, for example, as I'm coaching an offense or defense, doesn't matter, is on an offense, though, is if you bring in the second or third string quarterback, you stop trying to score. Absolutely not. They practice just as hard. They they work just as hard. I'm not going to call dive every single time just because they're in. And the coaches will ask, even though it's youth, and I'll tell them it's youth, well, you know, you're throwing the ball there in fourth quarter up 35. Seriously, that kid works just as hard as the kid that was throwing the ball in the first quarter. Really, it's not fair yeah. to come bring him in. And you know what? He trusts that I'm going to give him opportunities. And, you know, we're throwing outside screens. It's basically an outside run, but it's really good for the kid, you know, and you got to have these conversations. You gotta, like you're coaching coaches to be better adults all the time. Um, but I think it was it was it was really hard to make that decision to say the AYFA was more important than the chargers. Um, I guess I knew. And if you know, you can't, you can't go against what you know. And it would have been easier to choose the chargers. It would have been simpler, but then a good friend of mine is Kip Golden. I would have let him down and all those and his kids and all those guys, I would have let them all down by not building it for all of us. Um, West was late to the game. They started a year later, but what had happened with the district is they denied working with the AYFA when we started. So we had to start with no support from the district. And then when they, we said, I actually went in front of the board, the school board uh, the following year and Andy Shanky, I give him a ton of credit, um, stood up and he's the head of eighth grade football at, at uh, the, the AAST. And he stood up in front of the, uh, the school board and he, and he, I had no idea he was gonna do this. <laughs> I just sat back and it was like time stopped again, right? And he said, uh, I, I, I need you all to know that um, Nick Sam is the subject matter expert when it comes to middle school football in this room. And he knows and does it better than any of us could possibly do it at the district. And if we don't work with him, we will lose middle school football to him, and we should. And if I had a kid coming through right now, he'd play for Nick, not the district. And he said this right in front of the school board and he just, he hung it all out there and he said, we need to listen to him, but really listen because 
he's offering the olive branch for us to do this and uh, we should take it. And the school board treated me accordingly. And um, ever since that day, we, we were able to put together, we are a hybrid and we basically do football for the district. We, we do everything. And so from sixth to seventh or sixth through eighth grade, you really don't notice any difference when you play. And it's the only hybrid I know of uh, in the state. So it just took some outside the box thinking. And again, trying to do what's best for kids, but then do what's best for the org. And the district said, well, we're going to pay for eighth grade football. So how do we make this work? And I said, we'll subsidize a third of what we're doing. They said, okay. So we literally send an invoice into the district once a year and they pay it. And they pay for about a third of our costs. And now we manage our costs and they know that. We we save the district lots of money every year um, through busing, through... Um, and uh, I'm actually going to get to your original question uh, right now <laughs> is going forward, now, now that we know how we got to where we are, but going forward, how do we, um, how does the AYFA, I'm paraphrasing, but how, would it, how does the AYFA stay relevant? What are, what are our next plans? What does the future look like? Yeah. Well, I'm focused less on the AYFA right now um, because I think, so the AYFA's uh, blueprint that that we've created for our clubs is traveling very very far and fast through the state uh, as far as I know just the state but we created the Hortonville program and they literally used every single thing that we used to build it I said in their meetings I worked with their president their vice president their secretaries I helped them with everything including marketing um, I worked with the district. I worked with uh, the Colossos and so on and so forth um, to help them get it started. I sat with the co-op of Fox Valley with Xavier and FVL, and I sat with their coaches, with their administration, with the leader Peter Cotts over there, uh, and then Ryan Pfeiffer over at uh, um, Hortonville. I, I, I sat down and worked with those guys and taught them every single thing. Why, if it works and it's good for kids and it's good for your community and your pro tell everybody there's no secret. No, no, we're not keeping anything. And so I taught them both, I taught both them how to do their programs and they started, they're doing great. They're doing fantastic. Got great uniforms. And so as we build the programs around us, my focus right now, I'm now the chairman of the entire conference and we have four uh, new clubs that are all knocking on our door, trying to grow and get bigger within our conference. Uh, Joe's probably cringing right now because it's just more of a challenge for officials. But um, we're, you know, uh, uh, we got Sturgeon Bay, we have uh, Port Washington, we have St. Mary's, um, and, uh, uh, Fond du Lac St. Mary's. Um, we've heard from honestly four, six different, and with Kiwani, um, they're all knocking on our door because of what we've done. Uh, our conference is now going into divisions and this has helped our i think we just went through our financials uh at the ayfa and it, i think we saved thirty two hundred dollars uh in busing alone because of the change in the conference by going to divisional when you go to divisional you're playing a lot of local games so when you're playing a bunch of appletons hortonvilles you really don't even need a bus and so what we're trying to do is save money and maybe we can lower fees. I think our fees are really reasonable the way they are. I think that's, we, we keep them reasonable. Um, and Joe and I probably can get into a whole nother conversation on how we do fees and scholarships and all that stuff too. 
But uh, I think the direction of the entire conference uh, is to be the best, strongest conference possible to support each of these clubs and these programs. What we want is competitive games. And the hardest part in the middle school is that you have programs that are ebb and flowing. Um, and, and we're no different with the Chargers or, or you know, the East or West or any of uh, you have classes that are stronger and classes that are weaker. So every year you're trying to find competitiveness. So what we've done, and, and this is something I've been driving home, is we, where we want to give eight games in our conference. And then through seven, we seed the last game. So every single team is seeded based on their record. So you're going to have a two and two and five team play a two and five team or a one and six team. Yeah. Um, uh, so the last game is competitive. You might win that last game. Um, and then we still have our conference championship where the top teams get to play for a trophy. And uh, they, we do these new plaques and stuff that uh, go out to the divisional winners, the conference winners, all that stuff. Um, and so you know, kids like awards, but we only give team awards. Um, and so the trophy is a passing trophy. So you only hold on to it kind of like the big 10, you hold on to it as long as you win. Um, and thankfully the chargers eighth grade has hung on to it for the last three years. Um, it's been a remarkable run. I, so we've been in six years and five out of the six years we've had seasons because we lost the COVID season. Kind of, we, we did a hybrid seven on seven instead, but, um, we've won three of the five years eighth grade conference championship um and very frankly i don't and i've coached those teams i don't we don't talk about winning ever we just talk about style of play we talk about all the things that lead up to the success and the win so i think we're trying to and, and i'm writing a book right now on coaching and and so and i can't i can't really put it out there yet so it's not done but um, there are a lot of things I think that coaching today, I think there, there are some principles, there are some guidelines to help. Um, you know, we, <clears throat> we can get into that or maybe another time. I don't know. But they, I, I just think there are three fundamentals to coaching and three fundamentals to a program that are essential. And, and if you keep it that simple, stupid, I think I think it can work for just about anybody. Um, but uh, that's what we're trying to do with the conference is just making the conference smarter. Um, and we have challenges. Holy cow, do we have challenges. Right now, parents are our worst nightmare. They, they really are. And parents need a reality check, and they're ruining the game for the kids. It's sad. Yeah, it really is. It's becoming an epidemic. Uh, you know, Nick, out of all of this, you certainly took your dad's advice, and uh, you, you do not sit on your hands. That's for sure. Yeah. It's uh, – it's amazing what, what, what you get involved with, but what's even more amazing is just the success that, that follows. It, it's um, everything that Nick talked about, his the way he looks at life, the way he looks at football, uh, his different teaching philosophies, uh, the different opportunity he's, he finds for the kids. That's exactly what the AYFA is, and that's what the AYFA has always been. It hasn't changed. From, from day one, it's always been, this is going to be what's best for Appleton football, what's best for the for the athlete, for the kid, and what opportunities can we give them? You, you briefly mentioned it, and, and I think it's worth maybe even discussing just a little bit is, you know, we just come through the pandemic in, in 2020, there's no fall football for these kids. What the heck do you do? 
what's best for the kids and, and what do you do? You, you, you basically develop out of nothing a seven on seven uh, season for them. And, and it was just it, mentally, it was life changing for a lot of these kids. Yeah, I think it was, it was, you know, what is, it was a lot of work too. Um, but that was fun. That was different. That was outside the box, but you just, you saw that these kids just weren't getting anything. They just, they were losing it. They were, but you know, they're resilient. They are. And um, yeah, so we, I never thought I'd find myself trying to figure out how to paint fields. Uh, we, we, we borrowed a striper from lacrosse and uh, got an account at um, Sherwin-Williams and started buying five-gallon pails of paint and got, I still ruined a couple of shoes. I, um, but, uh, and it got cold by the end of it, but we striped out, I don't know, what was it? four fields and uh we had 188 kids come out and play we followed mitigation you know trying to keep kids safe too because you know at that point we still really didn't know what the heck we were you know what we were up against other than it seemed outside that it was less of a problem and your kids wore masks we wore ma the coaches wore masks constantly outside and now we learn you know maybe that wasn't necessary maybe well, it doesn't matter but the kids ran around and I think, uh, Fred, you did an amazing job of capturing a lot of just what that meant on film because I saw pictures and when you'd see those pictures, you'd say, if anybody were to complain about what we did, I mean, look at the looks on their faces. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> it's a great point. And I could tell you, you know, Ethan and, and that class, they, they were the ones that took the punch to the gut. Yeah. Right? They took, they didn't get their eighth grade season. They got a shortened seventh grade season. Um, and uh, there was times that he come to me and he said, dad, do, am I going to get to play football this year? Am I going to get the opportunity? And I was like, I don't know, bud. Like what, uh, how do you answer that? Right. None of us knew what was going on. None of us knew the re repercussions of anything, whether it was possible. And, um, I'll, I'll never forget you, you reached out to me and you were like, I'm doing it, man. Like, I mean, you, you obviously said it in a much more, you know, uh, business aspect and you had everything figured out, no doubt about it. But you, what have, what's always amazed me about you is that you've always been the first person to raise your sword, to fight for the kids. And the fact that you were able to pull it together, figure it out, you know, get the goop stations yeah. um, to do all the things you did and to give these kids who, my God, man, I mean, we'll never understand potentially the effects that these kids have are faced through this situation. I mean, us as parents, it's been tough to go through COVID, but I can't imagine a teenage kid. I mean, teenage teenage life is tough no matter what you know teenage life was tough for us and we had everything in the world so to get things taken away from them you know it, it was very hard as a parent to to be a parent and to you know try to relate try to give them some guidance because the world was kind of effed and there's no lie about it but what you did is you said the world is effed but I'm going to make it a little less after for all of you guys. And I'm going to give you guys, all you boys, you girls, everyone that's a part of AYFA, something to be excited about. Something to be, when you don't get to see your friends for months, 
when you don't get to go outside for months, when you don't know what anything is, I'm going to give you that, that outlet to go play football, to go have fun. And I showed up at every practice and I loved it because I saw smiles again. I saw faces light up. I saw my four-year-old son at the time sit outside the, you know, watch out the the window of my car or come out there when I was, you know, taking photos. And it was the, the realest thing to life that we had again. And uh, I, I don't know if I can ever be, if I can ever show you the true gratitude and gratefulness that I have for that, because as great as AYFA has been and as great as everything you've done has been, you guys had a insurmountable hurdle and you took it. And I think what more than anything, more than the football, more than anything, what you showed those kids was even when you're faced with the hardest adversity, something that seems so out of your reach, you can still find a way. And I think that was something that, um, I know my son in particular, you know, someone who gets very, you know, nervous with adversity saw like, Hey, we can still do this. We can still go be kids. We can still go play football. And, uh, that is, is remarkable beyond belief to me. I I think one of the, thank you for saying that. Um, no, thank you. I, I think what most people don't know is what went into that. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I slept for five weeks during that season because, and you told me that I remember a lot of emails coming through saying, how are we going to make this work? Yeah. Tell me yeah. this is okay. How, you know, cause, cause we were going to have, you were going to have parents who didn't mm-hmm. believe in it and parents who were skeptical and nervous because nobody knew. Yeah. Um, but you guys literally laid out. Uh, the perfect game plan to answer any questions to put any nervousness aside and say, Hey, we're going to answer these questions before people come to practice. We're going to have goop stations. We're going to collectively understand situations. And together, if we all follow this like a team should right? team aspect, coming back to it, we will succeed. And you can go AYFA, Appleton North, East, West, football in general, right? When you f- come together, I don't care if you're the biggest, the strongest, the fastest kids in the game. There's something to be said about when c- togetherness comes right. and you can be more powerful than you've ever known. Right. I think I think one of the, the t- you know, I think the hardest part of that whole thing was the risk I had to take on my name. Um because if it failed, if we had a breakout, if we had issues, it was my fault. I did it. Um, I had to fight for insurance to be insured to do it. I had to. So I sat on national conferences with Atlanta uh, because they had already gone through a season. That's the goop on goop off stations that I learned that from Atlanta, from their youth mm-hmm. clubs down in Atlanta. And um, but it was and then I had to sit on and talk to the county. I had to get approval through the county to be able to do this. I had to get because that's we were following the county regulations. Um, and then uh, I tried to get the blessing in the AASD. They just tried to stay out of it. And I get it. I, 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 I don't yeah. I don't disagree with their not having an opinion. I'd rather have no opinion than the bad one. 
Um, but it was a risk. And Eric Hansen was unbelievable during that process, helping put that together. And, you know, we, so we put together, I had, I think a 17, 18 page proposal to the county uh, that walked through all of our mitigation, all our strategies, everything, Um, uh, evidence of insurance and you name it. And uh, just to get approved to be able to do it. And, uh, and then it was still, you know, I remember talking to Eric, like, if this goes sideways, my name is forever done. This is that kind of a risk. And, you know, we had challenges in the, you know, we had phone calls. First of all, we practiced on the north side right by a major walking trail. So we were clearly kind of, we were going to get the scrutiny uh, pretty easily. And we did get calls and we, I also sat down and talked with the police department. And the police department knew to mitigate those calls to make sure that they weren't going to send a bunch of squad cars out and freak out the kids. Because that was a big concern was, you know, fine. If if you guys are going to shut us down, shut me down. Don't shut yeah. the kids down. Let me handle it. I will, yeah. I will follow every rule, but don't do something stupid that freaks kids out more than they're already freaked out. And, you know, to the, to the credit of the, 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 police department they had you know granted we ended up we had uh, a police officer as one of our coaches so that helped some um and he was great but yeah we we did receive a few calls and they literally squashed it and said nope we have a police officer on the scene and he is they are following rules beyond yeah it was great it was adults showed adulting and, and helped make that happen and there were some wonderful people um, Ted Carew and, and Chip um, Hardy and, and we had, I mean, there's just a number of people that, that really, really did step up. And Eric Hansen was unbelievable in help put, putting it all together and getting messages out. And he had to revamp because we had taken registration for the AYFA for tackle football. So we had to recredit everybody back and then charge $75, put seven on seven on. So yeah. yeah, that was a that was a stressful five weeks. Uh, I, I think I slept for two days straight following the the final day, but we really had no breakouts related to the seven on seven program at all. They they were not be traced. It, and it was remarkable. I mean, it I, I loved every minute of it. I think parents loved to to get out and to see football and their kids happy. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I saw a smile on my son's face for the first time in months. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was huge. I guess my, my, my biggest question to you, and I was probably my last question to you, but you, you constantly have hurdles, right? You constantly have reasons to not continue. I mean, listen, you're successful, right? You have a great family. You have a son now who is thriving in Appleton North football, you have an uh, incredible daughter, an incredible wife, an awesome dog. Um, it's true. You know what? What makes you keep going? What makes you keep deciding? Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep fighting for these kids. And I know the simple answer is, hey, I love kids and I want to give them football. But there's got to be more to it. I mean, what you've done and and the the sacrifices you've made and the time you've spent. You know, what is is it? Is it because your dad didn't get the chance to play football? Is it because maybe you guys were farm kids and you guys didn't get the, you know, what is it, it, what does it come back to that keeps driving you to give opportunities to kids? Because 
it's absolutely commendable. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what you do, and and I want to know, I want to know why. Um, I think as an athlete, I was competitive. I think as um, a former athlete, I think the only thing you can focus on is a legacy, and I think when you focus on your legacy, you're never going to quit. Um, yeah. and I think as an athlete, I was that way, never a quitter. Uh, I also think there are a lot of eyes on me now. Um, just, you keep doing certain things you keep in, and you're in the limelight. I don't mind being out in front. I never have. Um, but when people are watching, you want to make, I've always, I, as a player, I always thought everybody was watching and I wanted them to, it was like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have, I don't want to be the guy who says, ah, he'll take a playoff. I really always thought everybody's watching me all the time, so I could never take a playoff. Well, I kind of live my life that way, is I never take a playoff. Um, I can sleep when I'm dead, and and I live by that philosophy. But I do. I, I, I want my kids to be proud of my legacy, um, and, I, and I certainly want my parents to be proud. But I also want all those that help me do it. I've never done anything alone. Um, and, and we have, I just, I think you surround yourself with great people to help you get further up in, you know, and, and I think we all have that version of ourselves that's out, you know, out, out, out in front of you in, in every day. I think Matthew McConaughey said, I've been saying it for a long time, but I saw him on that thing where it's like, you know, who's your hero? It's me in 10 years. And then in 10 years, it's me in 10 more years. And then, you know, cause I'm never going to get there, but I'm always going to strive for it. And I think, I think that that was brilliantly said. He's an actor. He's better than me, but, um, but I've always, you. but I've always had that image of per, my perfect self. No one, I'd never attain it. And there, we, 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 we can't one, one person that was perfect walked the earth and that would, we, we got to live with that. Um, and that's fine. I, I'm following his footsteps, but the, the um, the perfect image of you is out there, and I think if you want that legacy to come anywhere near true, you got to follow it. You got to have no quit, and you you can never take a playoff. And yeah. um, a real legacy, I think, is shows those types of. You, you look at the, you know, I'm not going to compare myself to the Jordans or the, you know, the guys that did unbelievable things, but uh, when it comes to what was right in front of me in my community, I I, I think my grave will say. The guy never sat on his hands. Yeah, that, that would be the truth. And, you know, Nick, you and I have talked about legacy over over coffee or over a, something on Mark's east side, maybe. Um, but I, when we look at the AYFA and, and we look at, it, at all the different youth sports organizations that are out there, all of these clubs, and I've seen it with my own eyes in numerous different sports, is, is that succession. I mean, you, you started, we've told the story a little bit about the AYFA. It's a lot of hard work. I mean, we, we only scratch the surface. I mean, there's a lot that goes into to make these organizations run the way they, they do. But you can only do that for so long. We're all just volunteers. And in the end, with these groups, we have lives to live. Um, we have things we want to do. So it's unfair to say it's always going to be the president of, of the AYFA. That's not fair to you. So what, how do these groups navigate uh, succession? What, um, it, it's a real struggle. It's, it's a big time struggle when, when we lose, certainly when you lose a founder, but you know, there, there's a lot of groups out there that have had great presidents, um, you know, for a few years and then they move on and, and, and you can just see those organizations 
stumble. And, and I know that's a fear of yours with the AYFA and, and uh, that, that that's tough to navigate. Yeah, I, I guess I'm on, I, you're right on many ways, but I think, I think everybody's replaceable. Um, and, and the only reason I say that is because I think every five years, the needs change. I think every five years we morph, we change, we adapt. We, I think football five years ago, six years ago, when we started this thing, I think it was different then. I'm, our mission was different. And I think um, we need fresh blood in there. And you're right, Joe, it's finding who the fresh blood's going to be, who's going to be the one that takes over. And I also think it's great leadership to never quite walk away or to take a time where, you know, I don't know what the terms would be. I really don't care about titles, but um, a chairman status type thing where you're still involved. You're just not doing all the day-to-day processes. You're not making sure that the engine is constantly primed. Um, instead, you're just making sure there's an engine and someone's priming it. Um I think that that's probably the secession plan that I see for the AYFA. Uh, you know, when we looked at this, what, a year, two two years ago, it was a really dumb time to talk about secession because we had all that stuff in front of us. So it would have been very selfish. Um, but you're right. It's, it's not selfish to think about hey, somebody else has got to take a turn in this. But, you know, to say it's my baby, I think it's really our community's baby right now because we're seeing you know, a lot of, and I think it's, and I think it's opened the doors to other organizations um, to see that anything's possible because we started from scratch. We started from nothing. We started with zero support. In fact, we started with no support from the old guard of football in Appleton. So we went up against everything that should have stopped us from doing what we were going to do. And it didn't stop us. And in fact, we were more successful because we didn't have their support, very frankly. Um, and then, and it was, you know, try me. And the one thing I know that came out of that board meeting and two of the board me- members said to me is a year after we had finished our, our first season and we'd done it, they, and then they had told me this personally. They said, you know, we sat in the boardroom. We literally said, there's no way anybody could do this. We really all doubted that you could pull this off. And I just said, it's not me. It's the AYFA. There's a group that is very determined to change. And, you know, you guys weren't ready for it. I don't hold that against them. I didn't. I don't. I still don't. I still think Pop Warner is a wonderful organization that made a choice. And I think we're better off because of it, to be separate. And so I don't the succession thing is a hard thing for me, Joe. It really, really is. It's a very good question. I don't have the answer. I think we have ideas um maybe fred will come in and take this thing over that would be so so the 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 one thing i will say to the question is i really do think that the president of the ayfa and just like the 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 lacrosse or any of those any of those organizations basketball organization the president of an organization like the ayfa has to be a football guy or 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 gal, I I could I could care less. Um, um, I can think of some some gals. Uh, Katie uh, comes to mind. Katie would have been terrific. Um, oh but, yeah, she would have been awesome, wouldn't she? Yeah, from Seattle, it's hard to run an organization in Appleton, but um, <laughs> but we'll we'll give her a pass. But it, it but she's a football gal, 
I mean, she really is. She's. I just think for my secession of president, it, it just has to be a football person. It it really does. The secession of the, of the AYFA has to be a football person, whether it's a gal or a guy, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but it they have to be a football, enthusiastic football person, um, understanding football um, and, and what's important. Do you ever think... Um... You know, we're, we're going to probably get to a point here where we can we could talk for the next 60 years about this. Sure. Um, and I agree with you. I think football has to be the forefront of it. But what I just in general, what you've done and the, the ability you've had with children, with the community and everything like that. Are you ever concerned that the direction wouldn't stay at the direction that you're you had kind of positioned or planned? And are you okay with that? Because, you know, there always will be change. There always will have to be adaption and pivots and things like that. Um, so is, is, is being a football person enough? Yeah, it has to. And I think, I think if we follow, we have a great mission statement. And one of the things when I started the AYFA is not just doing a mission statement, but actually doing a coach's philosophy statement, a commitment to coaching. And I think part of the coaching thing is, and if you listen to the basic three principles, and this is in the book that I'm writing, is that there are three things that every good coach, and it doesn't matter, the X's and O's part is, is, is all great. But if number one, your number one focus before anything else happens is you protect children. You just, that's whether it's from you, yeah. the parents, the team or themselves, or whatever yeah. it may be. But you're always on the lookout for kids. You're looking and say, Johnny doesn't look right today. Yeah. Has anybody talked to him? You know, just when we talk about coaching, we talk about, are we talking to the kids, non-football related, at some point during stretching, during the game, during water breaks, during, go talk to the kids. If Johnny had a test yesterday and one of the coaches knows and doesn't bring it up and say, how did the test go? I think we fail as coaches. We're always looking to protect them, you know, and then number two is evaluate talent, meaning set up a system and make sure that opportunity is always there. Meaning by the system, it is every Monday, every single individual that's every, every individual drill that you run, every kid gets the exact same amount of opportunities. You coach every single one of them on the same fundamentals, the same, no, 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 no. we got to get that step right. We got to, it doesn't matter if they start, doesn't matter any of this, none of them, it meant it's individuals. So you focus heavily during your week on how you structure your practices. And so it is a hundred percent of the kids understand that they have the exact same opportunities to get into the starting lineup every single week. And if they're not quite there, they're second string or whatever, but they understood they got the same opportunities. Number one, they're still going to develop just as much. They're going to continue to develop. They're not on the same path as maybe some other kid, but you're developing every single kid. They're bringing them along because they're getting that opportunity. So you always want to evaluate talent because if you are developing and this kid's coming along, he needs to play or she needs to play. And if you're constantly in the mindset that you're developing talent, you're constantly evaluating and you never, ever stop evaluating, then you're always going to be creating opportunities for kids. We got to get them on special teams. It doesn't work out. Well, I wasn't wrong. You developed to that opportunity. Now, when you got the opportunity, 
you think you weren't ready. Maybe it was a little too big for you, but you're going to get that same opportunity because you're there. And so failure is a great thing, especially at the middle school. Yeah. Fail, 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 fail. Yeah. So in high school, maybe you don't as much. And then the third thing, honestly, that's when you finally teach football. It's just that's when you teach football. When you it. teach them the philosophy, the scheme. You teach them how to how to understand and, and watch football. Okay, we would always talk to the kids, and I've even had them to my house, and we would stop. Well, Pittsburgh would be playing Syracuse, and we'd be watching, stopping, and be like, "Well, what's happening here? This is not audible. This is so." You know, you teach football. Then it's a great I teach scheme. Say, hey, did you notice? Uh, that you guys watched the Badger game, right? Okay, the, the, okay. When we ran, they ran that counter trade. They call it the wrap. Okay, so when they ran it, it, isn't that the same thing when we're running our play and we'll name our play? And so, you know, the bottom line is, is you got to teach them football. You have to teach them the scheme, whatever you know, you teach it. And um, and so, if you follow those three things, I don't know how you screw up. I just don't. And so, if you surround yourself, you 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 build in all of these procedures and philosophies and say guys this is the map follow the map or you'll get lost and things will work out exactly like you're lost as a coach and so i think some of that is if you're a football guy i think you're going to focus on making sure that the league is relevant and competition is important and you're going to focus on those things and then you follow along with the coaching philosophy um, keep your mission that it's about opportunity and kids. So if we follow and, and we do, we look at the mission and the philosophy every single year. So we'll get a new board starting in January and we'll go through the mission and the philosophy. It's just something you have to do. And so some of those things should never change. I mean, we should look at them and those should never change because that's why you started. And then if we have to morph and it becomes something else, that's fine. Whatever you know, the next generation of leaders within the AYFA, they'll figure that out. Um, I, I mean, we got great people in the community that'll take it and run with it. I don't think I'm done quite yet, but uh, you never know. We'll have a meeting. When is it, Joe, the 19th? And maybe they'll vote me out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that'll happen, I, I Nick, would, I'm sure. I, I would find, uh, yeah, I'd find it hard to believe that anyone would vote you out of any room because... I mean, we're we're going on a good hour and a half here of talking, and I'm I'm like smitten listening to you, and uh, and I've I've probably told you that in in past situations, but um, I think you know through it all, and and I hope that we can obviously have you come back again on the show because I feel like we could probably have another five or six episodes with with Nick Psalm, but if there's if there's one thing that uh, that I can you know, confidently summarize and say safely after this, just this one time outside of obviously just the abilities that you've done for the kids is, is I don't think you're ever going to have to really worry about your legacy. Um, <laughs> your legacies is it's pretty well established at this point and it's established beyond what your own children are going to think about you. It's probably well established what your own, wife is going to think about you, what that great dog is going to think about you, because uh, what you've done for the community, what you've done for, you know, even the, the the sons in this this podcast of these two old guys talking to you, um, you know, what you've shown me, what you've shown Joe um, is remarkable. And, and it's it's not finished yet. And as much as 
we talk about this in this in this kind of fashion of what's next, the secession, things like that. You know, you make a great point. You're never just going to walk away. You're never just going to be okay with being done with it. And I think true leaders, true legends are always involved. And that's what makes them so special. And, uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself to be one of those people, but I've definitely been around some really special people in my life, thankfully through my grandpa and through just in general life. And you're definitely one of those people. And you've created a lot of opportunity for people. You've created a lot of opportunity for children. Uh, you continue to do so and you continue to inspire and lead people. And that is a trait that is so far and few between in this world. And it's what I admire about you the most. And so um, from the bottom of my heart, I know I, I, I don't want to speak for Joe here, but I, I think Joe would probably agree with me. We're super grateful. We're super thankful. Um, and the gratitude that we could even begin to show you would far, 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 far fail how we actually feel about what you've done for the city of Appleton, the community of Appleton, um, our children and football in general, because what you're doing step-by-step uh, step is, is creating a football that we all dreamed of as young kids. Um, so before I continue to rant on about how great you are, Nick, um, <laughs> I will let Joe kind of jump in here and uh, I look forward to hopefully having you come back and continue these discussions and, and uh, be a part of the succession of the AYFA and just football in general, because it's fun to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. Fred. And Fred, I really don't have much more to add to that and inspire and lead that that's, that's how I look at Nick. And, and that's uh, he's been a huge part of my life for, for a number of years and I love every minute of it. Uh, it's either one of the greatest things or one of the worst things to hear is, is Nick calls you up and said, uh, I've got this idea <laughs> yeah, and true. your life is forever to change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. There's been a few, there's been a few of those situations. I, I can actually remember, uh, pretty, pretty vividly. Um, I went to Milwaukee. I'll, I'll quick tell the story just because I think it kind of sums the situation up really well. I went to Milwaukee, uh, to, uh, have a get together with a bunch of my college buddies, right? We all know how those go. They, they last a little longer than you expected and few too many beers are drank. Um, I woke up, I, I was cold. It was mid December. I, I got up, I had to fill my gas tank up. I was not feeling great. And I'm driving home and during, you know, from Milwaukee to Appleton and, and Nick calls me and he's got this idea, right? And it's the same idea he talked about earlier. It's the factory. And I spent the entire drive home talking to him about the design, the shirt, what it was going to be about. And I got about 10 minutes from my house and finally the conversation was done. And I, 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 I was like, I was sober again. I felt good. I felt excited. I felt alive. <laughs> I felt jubilant. So I called my wife and I'm like, babe, I got this great idea. And she's like, you know, I expected you to be a little different on the phone call today. And she expected me to be hungover. She expected me to be tired, weak, whatever. But that to me is the epitome of what a conversation, uh, an experience, an interaction with Nick can bring is he can bring you something that gives you excitement, gives you life, gives you uh, 
something to be excited to fight for, to live for, to even if it's just a shirt design, a factory design, or even if it's an entire program to inspire children, um, that is what you do. And I hope uh, not only one, Nick, that you live forever, uh, <laughs> but I am damn, damn proud and happy to know that you've uh, been a part of my life. And I look forward to the future because uh, not only for the Red Smith, uh, but for myself and for Joe, uh, we are very grateful to know that Nick Psalm is a part of this community. And uh, we are excited to, to have you back again and and to bring you to eventually what the Red Smith banquet will be, uh, whether, whatever we, that decides we decide for that to be. Um, you will be there because you are an integral part of this community and integral, integral part of the sports. So we are thankful for you. I appreciate all that. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you thinking this is a good story. Um, <laughs> it's a great but, story. It's not a good story. It's a, it's a freaking great story. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to take a playoff. So <laughs> good. don't please don't because we need you. Right. Oh, absolutely. Nick, it's just a no brainer. You, you needed to be guest number one. Huh. It's just no question about it. it AYFA for sure, but just uh, just the type of person you are, and you know through this whole entire thing, we never even mentioned that you're you're a member of the Red Smith Committee as well. It, yeah, you know, we didn't even bring yeah, that sure. up, but we'll uh, we'll definitely have you back. I mean, there's we touched on so many different things that I think we need to need to talk about and explore, and 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 because uh, so many, like we said before, so many of these organizations, sports organizations. Uh, groups that that uh, benefit from our from our fundraisers, they're all battling a lot of these same battles that uh, the AYFA is fighting, um, and I, I think it's worth a discussion. I think it'll help everybody. Yeah, for certainly, sure. certainly. Yeah, we can we can continue another time on any of these topics and probably run for another hour and a half. And and um, that's mostly my fault. I have a gift to gab. No, it's a good gift. And you know what? When you have enough to gab about, it's actually fun because uh, we've uh, I've experienced a lot through my life. People who just like to talk to talk and I'm probably one of those people. So um, we are super grateful and uh, we are going to wrap up here uh, week two of the Red Smith podcast uh, with the extraordinary Nick Psalm, uh, part of the great Psalm family of Appleton. Um, I want to say Appleton North, but Appleton West, Appleton North, Appleton East, anything in Appleton that uh, means something to anybody when it comes to the sports world, especially football. Uh, you can you can guarantee a psalm is involved, and especially Nick. So we are grateful for that. And the Red Smith, uh, you know that that is community. It's community sports, and that is what they've always been about. So Nick Psalm is an absolute uh, pinnacle part of that. So we are super grateful. We are excited for uh, the third week. Uh, maybe we just got to have back Nick. I mean, maybe Nick is the, uh, the third and the fourth and the fifth week at this point. I don't really know what else to do besides talk to Nick, but it's a series. Uh, it's a series. It's a series of Psalms. That's what we should call it. It's uh, it's pretty much the, the fourth uh, story of the Bible. Um, but, uh, for a series Nick, of Psalms led by an Ornstein. It's the Psalms. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that my young, I'm pretty sure Charlie thinks the book of Psalms is actually about Nick and Rob and, and Bobby and the rest of the Psalm family. So, um, but no, for, for myself, Fred, uh, and for Joe Ornstein and for Nick Psalm, we are uh, grateful for you tuning in and we will see you next week on the Red Smith podcast. Thank you.